0: Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Today's show is from a recent live event Brian presented at. Let's listen in.
1: The name of this section is called Wake Up and Live. Say that with me. That's a good one, isn't it? You know, sometimes in a horse race, you gotta reach for the whip, they say. Doesn't mean you hit the horse, you just gotta see it sometimes. Just gotta see it, right? And that's a little phrase that I use on occasion to give myself a little bit of the whip. Does that make sense? So wake up. Come on, Buff, wake up. Come on. Because okay. sometimes we kinda hit the snooze button. Is that true? Like sometimes I find myself, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working on this. It's something I worked on before I fixed before, and then the next thing you know, it's a couple of years later, I'm right back in the same spot. Like, how did that happen? And it's not the exact same spot, but say, like, Oh okay, wake up, wake up. Be intentional. That's how I use it. Does that make sense? Alright, so I'm going to give you three things we're going to cover here as always. Three things. I always teach in three things because that's what realtors can remember. Three things. (laughs) They know how to multiply by 3% and they can remember three things. After that, we don't need to really be any good at anything else, right? So, we're going to cover Earl's Perils. Earl's Perils. The Perils of Wisdom from Earl Nightingale. That's what we're going to bring it out here today. You can watch Charlie bit your finger. I'm going to bring you Errol Nightingale. We're going to cover Max's Maxims, Maximilian Malt, Psycho-Cybernetics. Old school, baby. We are going old school, not just run DMC, old school. And then we're going to cover a brand new you. A brand new you with an E at the name after the great Dorothea Brand. So make sure you have an E at the end. Very important. Pearls, Pearls, Max's Maxims, a brand new you. There's nothing new under the sun. You were listening to Napoleon Hill 70 years ago talking about the power of the mastermind. That's right, I didn't invent the term. I've invented very little. I'm a student who constantly digs for the diamonds. What I found in life is the deeper you dig, the larger the diamond. The deeper you dig, the larger the diamond. The deeper you dig the larger the diamond. You're watching the movie, you're watching the documentary, you're reading the book, the deeper the dig. I'm a personal growth and development guy. For 25 years, Joe Nego and I have been best of friends. We have a lot of things in common. We're kind of, right, brothers from different mothers. Joe, I think you've shown pictures of our two moms together. And his mother was a Quinn, Irish heritage, and his mother and my mother look like twin sisters. It's wild we have so many things in common and large families and best of friends and in the same thing. But understand this, the core essence of our relationship was our commitment to growth. And we're at our best when we're growing. And sometimes I'm growing in this way and he's stuck and sometimes he's growing in this way and I'm stuck and we've helped each other out. Does that make sense? And so there was none of this and there were no Buffini coaching programs and this and any other. So I was the big man on campus in southern california and he was big man on campus in illinois and we heard of each other through a seminar and we went to a seminar the seminar we went to wasn't what got it i met him and he met me and we became fast friends and we were like brothers from a different mother just like the same experience i had with brian tracy the other day boom fire kindred spirits you know right you can tell when somebody's growing like you're growing And so in those days, we kind of formed an accountability and encouragement. We didn't have coaches, so we and I were talking to another all the time, and this and that and the other. And then I went out to visit him. And I went out to visit Joe, and I'm in his car, and as I get in his car, the first thing that comes on is what he was listening to before I got in the car. Does that make sense? And he was listening to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I had read the book, but he was listening to it over and over and over again. I went to see him. I hung out at his house. Uh, he was still a bachelor at the time. Uh, I only had two kids, which does not even like being a parent uh, at this days. <laughs> it's a whole nother level to get to there. And so I'm there and hanging out. And you know, I'm not used to the, the snow and all that stuff. And so we get out of the car, and as we get out of the car, you know, we're going into his house, and he goes, uh, "Do you have any rubbers?" <laughs> and uh, well, I. I just wasn't looking for that kind of a friend, but, you know, it was... was... And I presume he had books in his house, too, so he was in real trouble. (laughs) So he pops the trunk on the Bonneville, and he had rubbers in the trunk. And rubbers, for people from the Midwest, you know, they are rubber shoes. You put over your shoes. The moment of most relief in my whole life was that moment. (laughs) And as we were putting our rubbers on... I looked in the back of the car, and there was a set of seven habits of highly effective people, cassettes. And we were listening to him in the car, and he had a box of them in the front seat. I'm like, what's this? And he goes, those are the broken ones. What? Were they faulty? He goes, no, I wore them out. I'd never worn a cassette tape out. I'd worn music cassette tapes out, right? I mean, millennials have missed out on what it means to scotch tape a tape together, right? And you hear that, look. But I said to myself at the time, I've never worn a cassette tape out. And he was talking about Seven Habits. I thought it was a nice book. He was talking about, this was a guy who became the highest producing realtor in the entire state. And he was operating at this level and super successful. And I was doing well too. But I was like, wow, I'm into personal growth. He's devouring this stuff. And it was just inspired me. And then I started on the devour. And then over the years, 25 years, we're still, every time we'll talk, I'd say every second, and we talk almost every day for 25 years, I'd say every second or third time we talk, we'll mention a book or a recording that one of us has stumbled across. You might get this, or what about that? So that's the deal. I wish for you somebody like that in your life. He's a good man. Isn't he that, Joe? There <laughs> Earl Nightingale is a pearl. So let me give you the backdrop of a diamond in the rough. Earl the pearl. A true diamond. How was his start in life? Well, at 12 years of age, his father abandoned the family. During the Great Depression, a lot of people lost their self-worth, not just their, and a lot of men just got up and walked away. And it happened in this last recession in some regards where Sometimes you find your identity in your work and your ability to provide and it can be shattering. It works for men and women, but it seems to be more shattering for men. And at that time, 99% of the workforce was men. And so what happened to him is what happened to a lot of families. His father just got up and left one day and never heard from him again. During the Great Depression. They were in Los Angeles. You know, people always think about the East Coast. They had to move into a tent city. I mean, it literally bread and water. He lied about his age when he was 60 and a half and did what a lot of young people do to get up and out and change their circumstances. He joined the military. My father-in-law, Jim Robinson, the youngest of 12 kids. And how did he get up and out of Pittsburgh? Joined the Air Force. Joined the Air Force. Next thing you know, he's off in Korea, right? Off in different parts of the world. So, will you hear this? Earl Nightingale was a Marine, and he was on the USS Arizona the day it was attacked. 1,147 men lost their life that day, and he was one of the 15 that survived of the Marines. And so he knew, he said, at that moment, God must have something for me to do. And when he got back to the mainland, he said, I must be supposed to do something. All these men died, and I didn't. And he had the not only survivor guilt, but also, I've got to go do something now. You saw it in Saving Private Ryan. Have I lived a good life? Tell me I'm a good man. And he survived this, and he said, i got to go do something. And so what's the first thing he did? Somebody gave him a copy of a book called Think and Grow Rich. And he read the book, and he came to a part, and it said, You will become what you think about you become what you think about. He said, you will become what you think about. And he said, I heard seven words. And the seven words was like a bolt of lightning, a bolt of lightning. And the next thing he got exposed to was a book called Wake Up and Live from Dorothea Brand. And he said, those two books changed his life. He then became a devotee of personal growth and development to the point that he ended up on the radio. Now, if you've never heard Errol Nightingale, this is what his voice sounded like.
0: I'd like to tell you about the strangest secret in the world. Some years ago, the late Nobel Prize winning Dr. Albert Schweitzer was being interviewed in London, and a reporter asked him...
1: Now, if I had a voice like that, we would have a proper sized airplane, Beverly, I gotta tell you. Is that just gorgeous? Grandpa, like, he ate gravel for breakfast. So he started doing things, and he became a sales trainer. Right? His own version of Calls, Notes, and Popeyes. And what he did was, he was going to a wedding, he made a record, I told you about it last night, he made a record for the sales team called The Strangest Secret. He gave it to the sales team. The sales team blew up and set records of sales. And the manager called the national manager and said, we need to get this. So he made, then they made the record for the whole company. And that record in 1956, the first record that ever went gold, that was somebody speaking. And then he partnered up with Vic Conant. I was telling you about that, Nightingale Conant. And if you bought a set of cassettes, if you bought anything motivational, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, Anthony Robbins, you name them, they all sold through Nightingale Conant. Changed the world. He changed the world because it changed him. He had two big thoughts he always talked about, and it's connected. I'm going to bring this up for folks who have been to the success tour. Many you have been to the success tour, yeah? So here we go, the law of the harvest. And it's what you plant is a big deal. If you plant your wants, you'll pursue your wants in the form of your goals. If you plant your fears, your fears will grow. If you put your fears constantly in the ground, you water and fertilize your fears. You keep revisiting your fears. You keep coming back to your fears. Your fears will get stronger. They'll get bigger. They'll grow. They'll become giant plants and trees, maybe even forests. So the first major peril that I want to share with you is this, and for our time, this was 1956, but tell me if 2017 this doesn't work. He had one word that was the key word, the first word, which was think. If you want to change your life, you gotta take time to think. We have so many distractions. We have the phone going the whole time. You got the, yeah, scroll, 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 scroll. And by the way, we're impatient. Right? It's like, uh, it's not connecting. It has to go to space. Come back. Give it a second. (laughs) What? We need time to what's the word? We need to take time to what? Was one of the benefits of painting. My grandfather, when we did have conversations, you could get some very deep stuff out because you're thinking about it all day long. I'm all for listening to stuff and podcasts and this and any other, but I hope you take time to think and you're not listening to me or anybody else. If you're listening to music sometimes, sometimes it's good to listen to music that helps you what? Helps you think. Amazing things happen because if you're the diamond, one of the acres you have to dig through is your own thought life. Would you guys agree? How many of you say sometimes your thought life has hindered you? Could I see your hands? Yeah. So we need to take time to what? The diamonds are down there. Because here's the truth. We will become what we think about. We'll become what we think about. We will become what we think about. That's from Napoleon Hill that we started the section with through to Earl Nightingale, through me to you. And through you to somebody else. That's a good legacy. Would you guys agree? Here's what Earl said. The mind moves in the direction of our currently dominant thoughts. That's pretty good. I could just pop the any of those. One of my abs just fired. That's what that is. All right, good. Six minute abs. I spent six minutes looking for them this morning. Okay, change your life. We're going to change our lives by changing our attitude. Change your life by changing your attitude. That's old school, isn't it? Is it still true? Have I shared quotes today from Herculitis and Lao Tzu and the Apostle Paul? The human condition hasn't changed. It's not going to change. We're human. You change your life by changing your what? Now, the way you change an attitude, you don't walk up and say, you got a bad attitude. You need to change. That tends not to work. They might want to write that one down. That tends not to work as well. Now, this is a powerful quote. I love this stuff. Our attitude towards life determines life's attitude towards us. The next thing is imagine. Imagine. It is a gift you have been given. Every person's will. Let me tell you this. I had a teacher, Christian brother School. They were neither Christian nor brothers. And the teacher told me, Buffini, you little fecker. You're the most uncreative boy I've ever had in this class. Oh, Really? Now I was creative. I would not show up for class and they wouldn't know I was there. That was creative. (laughs) True story. I'll tell you sometimes, I actually took two and a half months off school and they didn't know it. And my family didn't know it. That's a story we're telling sometime, isn't it? It happened. Is that creative? My mom and dad thought I was going to school every day and the school thought I was going to school every day and I was going to a golf shop every day. I wanted to be a professional golfer. And for two and a half months, I went to a golf shop every day and went to work at 16. And when I finally got found out, the teacher called up home and he called in and I happened to answer the phone. <laughs> and he wasn't a teacher. Well, he was a teacher, but he was the hurling coach. He was a, I was on the team that won the championship the year before. you coming back, buff? And I go, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been out with eye surgery. <laughs> Is that creative? <laughs> eye surgery, yeah, yeah, yeah ad. So he goes, uh, will you be back for the season? Yeah, I'll be back tomorrow, actually. <laughs> now that the jig's up, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow. And so true, right, my family's there, John and Dermot can tell you the true story, It's true as I'm standing here. So the next day I went into school, and I went down to the pharmacy, and I bought an eye patch. <laughs> true? True? I wasn't supposed to tell this story so I went there I got the eye patch everything's going great and the principal of school was so concerned for my health he called me mother and she looks at me and she goes what's that? I said it's an eye patch she says you weren't wearing it this morning I said, it's a bit of a long story, ma'am. <laughs> Why are you wearing eye patch? Because I've been working at Dunleary Golf Club for two and a half months. And I had to come up with an excuse. So that's pretty creative. <laughs> I could never do any wrong in my mother's eyes. Even my mother's eye, I could never do any wrong. But I had a teacher who told me I wasn't creative because I didn't have nice handwriting. Isn't it imagine the fellow who sold more personal notes for anybody except Hallmark in the world? (laughs) Doesn't have great handwriting. But you see, you buy into that stuff, right? See, God gives gifts. He makes diamonds. And inside that diamond, one of the gifts of that is imagination. And everyone in this room has it in different ways, in different ways. Imagine, use your imagination, let your mind soar. Use your imagination, let your mind soar. See, when you take time to think, one of the things that should happen, it should get to your imagination. And you work out all these things in your imagination. And by the way, you'll go to crazy places and goofy things, but sometimes your goofy ideas will get you there. Imagination. Earl said, everything begins with an idea, as in everything. I can't believe I just told the iPad story. (laughs) Not much left at this stage, is there? Going to have to start making up stories here pretty soon. You know, the key to being an Irishman is people say, is that a true story? And there's two responses for an Irishman. It could have been. (laughs) And that's how I remember it. That's the... (laughs) The next Earl Pearl was have courage. Courage. And you got to focus on your goal every day. You focus on your goal every day. You take your goal, you focus on it every day. Let your mind come up with the imagination and the idea... And here it is, and it's 1956 to 2017, but here's what's true. People with gold succeed because they know where they're going. Years later, Joe Nego said, most real are saying for nothing, hit it with amazing accuracy, right? Is that still true? Is that statement still true, yes or no? Will that be true 50 years from now? Yeah. And you know what happens is we want to get in in the States now to classism and the things that have got plagued Europe for years. We want to get there and the percenters, and the this and the that and da 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 da, da, da people who have goals and pursue them and use their imagination, celebrate, celebrate, and then learn from them. Then the next thing is you can't just have the idea, this is big and I'm going to close this down tomorrow. I'm going to change your view of personal growth forever tomorrow because most people only have a one-dimensional view of personal growth. And if you only do one dimension, it actually turns into poison. Something that's designed to change your life can be poison. And so many people's experience with personal growth has been poison. Along with the ideas, you have to take action. You have to take action. You must take action. It was true in 1956, it'll be true. In 2056, it'll be true. In 2556, ideas are worthless unless we act. If that makes sense, say aye. Aye. Ideas are worthless unless we act. George Patton said, I'd rather the worst plan executed violently than the best plan never implemented at all. Earl said, whatever we plant in our subconscious and nurture with repetition, say repetition, Repetition. and emotion will one day become reality. So it's repetition with emotion. We do some repetition here. Not to patronize an audience or to get a cheap response. It's, it is, it is, because that's repetition. And by the way, if you woke up every morning and said that to start the day, before the right foot came out or the left foot comes out, or your role. the first thing you say is what? <laughs> Stranger Secret, episode 61, tune in. I'll give you not just Earl, but I'll give you my little takes on Earl's pearls. I want to give you resources to use. I know how powerful an event like this can be, and I know how limited an event like this can be. I'm really interested in what happens after. The next person, how many of you have ever heard of Maxwell Maltz? okay. This guy is one of the giants, one of the legends. It's in your heritage. It's in your DNA. It's why I wrote The Bleeding Emigrant Edge. It's all here. Psychocybernetics. You ever heard of that book? How many of you have heard of that book? See, it's funny. We don't always remember the name. And that's okay. I think in history, that's okay. 30 years from now, I don't care if they remember. It was Brian Buffini who wrote The Emigrant Edge. Psycho-cybernetics. Okay? So, he was a plastic surgeon. Now, back in a, when plastic surgery meant plastic surgery... So, for example, when my daughter Anna ran full speed as a what age? 12 year old, full speed into the barn and split open from here to here. We needed to find a plastic surgeon. Not for a tuck to put it back together. 32 stitches and I never forget we're there. Boom, blood everywhere. Nothing bleeds like a face wound. And she looks at me. I can see her forehead. And she goes, Dad, does this look bad? I'm like, hmm. Fine. 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 So we found a plastic surgeon, an old school plastic surgeon, who did a great job. So here's what Max said. He was a surgeon, but then eventually as the years gone by, he saw what plastic surgery became. And he realized that with his patients, that 90% of the surgeries that they wanted performed were absolutely nothing to do with how they looked. And he would say, you're beautiful. I know all about beauty. I specialize in beauty. You have phenomenal beauty. It starts within and comes without. And he'd try to give them little tips. And he'd even, he, he had a relationship with some of the great makeup companies and makeup artists. And he say, you want to look beautiful? Of course, here's the way to do it. But he started realizing it was a much deeper thing here. And this is a long time ago. And he got into self-image. And so here's what he said. Your self-image and patterns of thinking impact everything you do. Okay. And by the way, someone who's had any kind of surgery, doesn't mean you have a self-image problem. Okay. This is what led him down the road. Are you with me? Acres of diamonds. He started digging, he started digging, he started digging. And he realized, okay, this is what he first thought it was. And then he went into the whole thing. And this had nothing to do with his patients. It had to do with everybody. And that's why psychocybernetics was such a huge seller for 50 years. Your self-image and patterns of thinking impact everything. He said self-image, listen, sets the boundaries of individual accomplishment. That was very impactful for me. I'm a guy who doesn't naturally see boundaries. And so self-image sets the boundaries of... It's the track to run on. So these become your standards. I won't tolerate that, but I'll I'll accept this, you know, of myself and others. He said, improve your life by changing your habits and thoughts. So he was big into the thought life. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to say, Brian, why don't you talk a lot about all the books and tapes that are out there now? And and a reason is, as a lot of it is technique, and most of it just deals with one aspect of self-development today. Most of it's not principle-based most of it's technique based and techniques come and go. And so like, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you that the law of attraction is a true thing. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow. But here's the thing. The law of attraction in and of itself will do nothing for you unless you go do something. You go sit in a closet and try to attract. Go for it. 20 years from now, let me know how. We'll slide pancakes and bacon under the door. You tell me. Are you guys with me? Yes or no? But it sounds great. Now, I'm going to tell you, there is such a thing as a law of attraction, but it's only one part of a puzzle. So you have to have your thoughts and your habits. If that makes sense, say I. And habits are boring. Habits are duty and they're daily. So to change a habit, you've got to make a conscious decision and then act out of the new behavior. Make a conscious decision, then act out of the new behavior. Make a conscious decision, act out of the new behavior. Just very, very powerful. Again, we'll keep building on this today. And tomorrow, I'm going to finish this off. I'm going to give you something tomorrow that you can take and hold and have an illustration. that will be with you every day, an everyday little thing that you'll see. And every time you'll see it, it'll put you in the right frame of mind. Next, turn setbacks and failure into progress and success. Have we talked about that? Japers, you mean Joe Nego didn't invent that? By the way, Max Maltz didn't invent it either. It's just that different eras present things in a way that people can hear it. Okay? Errol Nightingale spoke mostly to working men. By the way, you want to know why I'm so excited about the future? Remember I talked about last night this unprecedented growth that America went through during all these terrible times? Only 50% of the talent and creativity and imagination and giftedness in the marketplace was in the workplace. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? The real estate business used to be all oh, men. It's a hell of a lot better today. It, it's just better, right? Right? Men always introduce, smart men will say, this is my better half. Here's the thing. We had this unprecedented 1900s, and for a lot of it, men were 99, 97% of the workforce. And now look what we got. The better half is coming in. Ladies, sisters are doing it for themselves. Right? If you're a smart stock person, that's the reason to invest. Does that make sense? productivity. The whole economy revolves around individual productivity. That's why I'll show you tomorrow why you should be very, very excited about your future fortune. Max Maltz said this, words to live by right here. You might want to take a photograph of this one. You make mistakes, mistakes don't make you. You make mistakes, mistakes don't make you. You make mistakes, mistakes don't what? I'm going to tell you this, that every great mentor, presenter, speaker, personal growth person, always talks about failure and mistakes as one of the key ingredients to success. You can't be afraid to fail. And the reason we're afraid to fail is we take it personally. And we think we've let the whole world down. And by the way, the whole world doesn't even know it. Is that true? What's the old man says? You know, when I was a young man, I was so preoccupied about what people thought of me. When I was a middle-aged man, I said, to heck with them. I'm not concerned what people think of me. And now I'm an old man, and I realize nobody was thinking about me at all. (laughs) Is that true? Last night, to bring these folks out of their cubicles at and Company and out of their offices and bring them on stage, the big coaching job that went on with all three, Misty was palpitating. And I go, Misty, it ain't about you. You're going to do a coaching session with 3,000 people without words. And you see, what happens is, once you get to understand that it's all about them and it's not really about you, there's freedom. And that mistakes are part of the deal. And that's part of the journey. It's part of the price you pay, and you learn from it, and all you go. We spend our whole lives thinking the spotlight's on us, and it's paralyzing. We would have had paralyzed people appear last night if I would have let them come up here. Oh, my God, everybody's looking at me. It's about me. Oh, my God. And once they realize it was all about them. Now, I am excited to do this because I'm going to bring up a diamond that is one of the most influential diamonds in the entire personal growth industry, and nobody knows her, and it's Dorothea Brand. This is the only picture we could find. I have an entire research team. Months. We found a a wedding photo in some library somewhere. It was kind of a half picture of her at somebody else's wedding. This is from an article in the Columbus Dispatch. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Earl Nightingale said when he read her book, after reading Napoleon Hill, that's what changed his life, and he changed tens of millions of people's lives. A man that has changed my life, and I, I regret that I never... I had a chance to go see him one time, and stuff got in the way. And I, I always thought there'd be more time. And he passed away in 1992 as Ogmandino. And I just would have liked to have seen him. I would just like to have shook his hand and say thank you. And Dorothea Brand... See, here's how you find diamonds. I'm listening, he goes, when I first heard Dorothea Brand. And then everybody just keeps listening. I go, stop, who's Dorothea Brand?" And Errol Knighty goes, and then Dorothy Brand. And I go, who's Dorothea Brand? And you keep digging and you keep digging because the bloody diamonds are deep. And so I started digging. Now, at the time, she sold two million copies of her book. The book is nowhere to be found. You cannot find the book. You can't find all copies of the book. It's no longer in print. It's actually public domain. So I really think there was a number of factors and so on and so forth. Think and Grow Rich was written in 1929. He was brought into the White House during the Great Depression, Napoleon Hill, to help FDR. Dorothea Brand sold two million copies of her books and nobody knows who she is. And I just think in the 1930s and 40s they couldn't handle a woman being that significant. I think that was just the case. So what great times we live in today, right? And so Wake Up and Live, a formula for success. What was interesting about her, there were some people in Hollywood that became greatly impacted by her by the name of Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart. And they encouraged friends to go make a movie. So there's actually a movie available available called I'll Cry Tomorrow. It was made in the 1940s. Susan Hayward played the lead. And so they made a movie called I'll Cry Tomorrow. That's when Agmandino mentioned. I started digging it, saw the movie, yada, yada. Wild stuff. No mention ever since. So this is a real hidden jewel that I wanted to introduce to some real diamonds. Here's the key point. If I just said this, I could walk off the stage for the rest of the day. Here is the absolute core belief of this woman. And she used it to change her life and millions of others. And it's this. Act... In a way, it's impossible to fail. Act in a way, it's impossible to fail. I want you to say it all out loud with me. One, two, three. Act in a way, it's impossible to fail. I know you're writing it down. Let's say it together again. One, two, three. Act in a way, it's impossible to fail. See, what that gives you is freedom. What that gives you is taps into the power of the mind, unleashes the strength of the heart. Act in a way, it's impossible to fail impossible impossible that one phrase act in a way it's impossible to fail oh my gosh that's so freeing her actual quote that in the book says all that is necessary to break the spell of inertia and frustration this inertia means you're stuck and frustration is act as if it were impossible to fail that is the talisman the formula the command of write about face it's written in old english to some degree she's a great writer so a right about face is a turning point. The number one thing she talks about is the will to fail. You have to have the will to fail. It's the will. You have to be courageous and say, I'm willing to make mistakes and fail. Joe I always talks about with basketball and he'd give me tips for the boys. And he says, they can't be afraid to miss shots. They can't be afraid. They can't be just okay. It's okay. It's okay. Take shots, take shots. We celebrate when they miss shots. Boom, don't worry about it. They'll get better at it. Can't be afraid to fail. Dorothea said this, old habits, they are strong and jealous. Imagine no one could hear about this woman. She's got a ton of this stuff. She wrote this great little book that's nowhere to be found, and it's just full of this stuff. Is that a diamond? Is that a diamond that would encourage you? When you feel an old habit pulling you back, what do you say to it? Oh, you're just being jealous right now. I'm getting this new habit. There are rewards of failure. As she's saying, act in a way it's impossible to fail. She knows you got to have the will to fail. There's rewards of fail. And then she'd say, her quote was, act boldly and unseen forces will come to your aid. Well, you can fill in the blanks on what those are. Act boldly. Don't be a chicken. Do not be scary, man. Act boldly. Go for it. And then her next principle, back to Errol Nightingale. So Errol got it from her, was the task of imagination. So imagination is not, you know, people say, oh, he's a dreamer. He's a dreamer, right? Dreamers are great. Walt Disney say, I'm a dreamer and a doer. She called it a task. Can you circle and underline the word task? It's a task. Imagination is a task. A task is something like a discipline, a practice, something you do. Use your imagination. Inside your mind, not my mind, inside your mind is the breakthrough for you. Inside your mind is the next acre of diamond. If you'll keep digging, keep digging. And your own stuff gets in the way. Steve Jobs, everybody celebrates him today. Steve Jobs was in his own way. His own ego was in his own way for years. And it was Apple Computer, Apple Computer. And the guys who invented the computer, Wozniak, there was wars with them. You can read books about it. You can see movies on it. His own ego was involved. Me and Wozniak and me and this guy and me and Bill Gates and Apple Computer, Apple Computer. And once he got sick and got past all that and they brought him back, he had to have a massive failure. He founded a company and they fired him from it. It'd be like, Brian, you're fired. I know Dermot's just thinking about that right now. <laughs> just let it resonate for a second. Here's the thing. He had to be humbled. He had to fail. He had to fail on the most public stage possible. And he came back. And when he came back, he said, okay, enough about the ego, enough about me. He had made peace with these guys from the past and Wozniak and all these guys. He said, let's start getting creative. Apple computers will sell 4 million computers this year. Apple Computer will sell 41 million phones this year. 12 million iPads this year. Three years from now, Apple Computer will make more money from its music business than it does from selling computers. By the way, that's a direct application of a principle called Acres of... And when he was at his lowest point, someone gave him the book. Hello. We mystify all these success stories, and they are these fabulous people, and they're not. Success leaves clues, and it's the same bloody thing every time. Dorothea said this, Man's mind is not a container to be filled, but rather a fire to be kindled. Gold. Is that gold and diamonds and rubies and sapphires? Okay. She used to say this, By going over your day in imagination before you begin, you can begin acting successfully at any moment. Okay. She did this thing called the how-to-do-its. Now, again, some of this is old and kind of quaint, and some of it's brilliant. All right? So this is the how to do it. So I'm going to be a teacher for three minutes. And all I'm going to do, I'm not going to comment. You're just going to write stuff down. Here's the how to do it from Dorothy Brown. This was in the back of the book. Everybody good? Just say "Yes, yes, teacher. So we're going to go. I won't throw the chalk at you. Number one, spend one hour a day without speaking except in answer to direct questions. Just one task. One hour a day without speaking except in answer to direct questions. Two, think one hour a day about one subject exclusively. So think one hour a day about one subject exclusively. She'd break this down as you'll read over an entire week. Number three, write a letter without using the first person singular. I had no idea how many times I said I in my notes. And by the way, in the last 12 months... My notes got better. And I've been writing personal notes for 30 years. And I I, 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 I try to not say I, I, I as often as possible. It's hard. Number four, talk for 15 minutes without using the first person. Number five, write a letter in a placid, successful tone, sticking to facts about yourself. Number six, pause before you enter any crowded room. And consider your relations with the people in it. It's kind of a neat thing. Okay. Now, maybe not this size, but even this is good. I don't want you all pausing in the entrance. But the thing is, you're going, there's a party, there's a gathering, there's a you're doing a, a client party, you're, you have a family gathering, whatever. Else. And just before you go in, take a moment to pause and think about the people. Number seven. Keep a new acquaintance talking exclusively about himself. Okay. Number eight. Talk exclusively about yourself for 15 minutes. So try the other way too. Some people, that's really hard. So they deflect. So she gets everything. It's simple techniques that affect deep little perpetrations, even psychologically. Number nine, eliminate the phrases I mean and as a matter of fact from your conversation. I think that's older. You know what I mean? Number ten, plan to live two hours a day according to a rigid time schedule. Number 11, set yourself 12 instructions on pieces of paper. Shuffle them and follow them one a day. There's a couple of little tips there, and there's more to come on that. We'll talk about that. Number 12, say yes to every reasonable request of you made in the course of one day. All right. So let me tell you what I did. I'm digging down, digging down, digging out. This is public domain. I couldn't find the books. There are people who publish public domain books. Now, will you hear this story. So I went to the largest public domain distributor in the world, and I said to him, I want to buy 3,000 copies of a book for my favorite people, right? So I go, they're readers, they're doers. There's nobody better. No one's heard of this book. They can't find this book themselves. So I want you to make 3,000 copies of the book. Well, you hear this. I walk in the door to my office. My staff is beaming. Brian, look, we got a giveaway for Mastermind. And they present me this. So first of all, the cover was, <laughs> well, let's say early seventies, would that be okay? What else do you notice? Only the refiners see this. They were so excited and they saw the expression on my face. They couldn't spell her bloody name right. And I thought, how many insults can this woman handle? That how can they devalue it to such a degree? And we went back to them and said, hello. This is who she is. This is what she is. And we actually ended up talking to the head of the company. And I said, you might want to get these to your staff to change their lives. Do you know who this is? This is a national treasure. One of the wisest women of the 20th century. So I said, would you do me a favor? Would you let my staff that's been known to do some pretty nice book covers design a really cool cover for you? And then we'll take our own, and then we'll leave you with the art. And hopefully you can get the word out there about Dorothea Brandt. So this is what it actually looks like. And, of course, we have one for all of you. Okay? as a gift. And uh, I call the publisher. I have 3,000 more, and they've given me permission. There's some schools that we support. We actually have a bunch of schools and young groups that actually we give personal notes to, and they use them. And... um, (laughs) So we're going to give them the 3,000 books and get it into the young people's hands.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can. So be sure to share it with others. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. We love hearing the feedback. You can check out the show notes on the com. We're on Android, so you can download your favorite podcast app from Google Play and tune in for free. So as I finish here today, I'd like to leave you with the Irish blessing that Brian always ends the show on. It's something his grandfather used to always say. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.